You guys know that I have a passion. What's my passion? It's extending human potential and performance. Whether we look at therapies that come from the anti-aging world, whether we look at gym and exercise performance, whether we dive into the mental aspect or spiritual aspect, or we look at our ancestors and try to get some of their wisdom and combine it with some of the technologies that are happening today to make us feel, look good, feel good, and basically show up better in the world. Now, on this show today, I hunted down a man with a similar goal. He has studied with Buddhist monks in Nepal. He has also learned from the Native American elders in North America. And what's really exciting is that he's even been with 34th generation Shaolin monks in China. And he's a person who's dedicated himself to expanding human potential and consciousness and help CEOs, Olympians and pro athletes to do the same. He also hosts a podcast and is super cool. Matthew Belair, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Is it Belair? Yep, you, you nailed it. Yep, that's it. Okay, perfect. Now, how are you doing today, Matthew? I'm doing good. I'm over here in Canada. It's nice. Uh, it, it sounds a little bit better in Dubai. You've got the sun, so we're just finally crawling mm -hmm. out of winter and getting some nice weather. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, it, um, I know someone who's just traveled to Canada, and they were telling me as well that over the past month or month and a half, it was a bit cold. And Dubai is always sunny, and it's nice. It's getting a bit warmer out here, which isn't a bad thing. Now, what got me so interested in your work and when I first saw what you were doing is the Shaolin Kung Fu aspect. Now, let me tell you and the listeners a story. When I was growing up, I saw more Chinese movies than my native language, which is Hindi, or like any of these Hollywood movies. And most of the times I would see these movies without subtitles or even translation because I just liked the way the culture was and how what they were doing, especially when it comes to acrobatics and Kung Fu. Then I ended up practicing Shaolin Kung Fu for many years while I was growing up. And one of the reasons why I had to do that is because when I was growing up, I was fat and I was bullied a lot in school. And practicing Kung Fu over the years gave me the confidence and the courage to stand up to bullies. And I still credit all my discipline in health, wellness, and everything that I do right now to practicing in a small room or how to do tiger's claw or the drunken monkey. And before the pandemic hit out, I actually planned a trip to go to China and just to pay my respects and offer my gratitude to the energy, the abbots, the elders that are there and the tradition that kind of changed my life. But I'm very curious, you know, how did you end up in Shaolin? Oh, well, I love that story. And I feel like we had similar past. When I was a kid, I, I loved martial arts. My dad was a martial artist and I saw everything through the lens of martial arts. And we, my dad liked to rent movies and we'd watch all of the martial arts movies that existed, you know, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Bruce Lee, you know, Chuck Norris, whoever was out there, mm -hmm. you know, we were watching those movies. And so for the longest time, I wanted to train with the Shaolin because I was curious about human potential, right? How did, how were they doing these, these things? How were they breaking bricks? How are they doing all this stuff? And probably when I was a kid, I didn't really know the difference between what was real and what wasn't, but even the stuff now that I know that is possibly not real, you know, when they're shattering all these things mm -hmm. in the cinematic fashion, they're still doing incredible things with the weapons and body that takes years of mastery to be that flexible, to be that dynamic with the weapons. It's, it's truly an extraordinary skill. And so I wanted to train with them because as I got older, I realized that these were probably some of the most legit superhumans that were accessible. When we look at books like Autobiography of a Yogi and we look at Yogananda and, and his story and we think about these monks on the mountain, I also wanted to find them, but I didn't know where they were. I didn't know if there was a cave I could go to in India where somebody would teach me. Um, but uh -huh. I, I did know that I was able to access a Shaolin temple. And so mm -hmm. that's why I wanted to go there because I like to immerse myself, see firsthand what type of training, what do they think? How do they act? How do they eat? How did they come to being able to develop this 
really superhuman skill. And so that's really why I wanted to go there. So before I, I ended up there, I was training in a professional MMA camp in Thailand with pro fighters that were in the UFC and things like that. And they were amazing mm -hmm. as well. But the difference is these Shaolin masters were on a whole nother level. They had an integration of a side that these MF, MMA fighters don't have. You know what I mean? It's, it's something, it's another level. Yeah, MMA is good. And I like the UFC and I like combat. And I think that that's fascinating. But this spiritual element, this mental or emotional element or whatever it is that they have, those MMA fighters don't have it. And one of the masters, you know, several of them can do similar things but he could break stone with two fingers he could break bigger pieces over his head um on every limb of his body and it, it look if you look at it you think it's unbelievable and in these studies i learned about uh what i refer to as black magic which is basically doing a magic trick but telling the public that you're it's legit right so i break a stone over my mm -hmm. head but it's a fake stone you think it's real but i say hey i'm you come to matt belair's martial arts school i break the stone over my head mm -hmm. i'll teach you how but it's actually a trick and many people actually do that which is very sad uh but these these guys there was no trick they could actually do this it was it was a very extraordinary experience and um you know i'm very grateful for being able to train with them wow that's that is an experience by itself which martial arts camp did you train in in Thailand? Uh, you cut out there. I think it was, it was, I actually can't remember. I have a there... little, little diploma, um, but it was, it was in the Gunzu Mountains, G-E-H-E-N-Z-O-U, I believe. And uh, it was a 34th generation Shaolin temple okay. that they, they had only opened up for the last 10 uh -huh. years to Westerners. So, uh, so mm -hmm. I was relatively new because before that they had closed doors. And so the way that they do it, they treat you like one of theirs. So people were getting injured all over the place because of their style of training they grow up with, right? So we had to do like power stretching where you would get into the splits and a, and a Sifu or one of the masters or teachers would yank you down and just hammer your legs right and people will be getting injured i was like this is not how you stretch in the western world you know what i mean you got to mm -hmm. do it a different way but the way that they train it's like they're treating you the exact same way they couldn't speak english there was a translator so it was it was crazy it was ruthless you know we were like punching and kicking trees right we were doing the training that they were doing it's like if you want to sign up for this you're doing what we would do and i think that you know, in one way, they were a little bit easier on us, but still it was the toughest training that I've ever had to do. What I, what I say is like, they take what you think you can do and they double it. So once your body is toast, it's like what David Goggins says, if you guys are familiar with David Goggins, who's a friggin' mm -hmm. animal, he says, you know, when you think you're hundred percent done, you're probably 40% done. And that's what they get out of you you know they do not let you quit they they push you farther than you think you can go and i think that's a really important thing for people to experience and understand because we put on our own limiter and we want to put ourselves in environments that get the most out of us to get the best out of us because then we can take that gear or that knowledge and understanding of who and what we're capable of into all other aspects of our life apart from the fact that you know your body or your mind always tricks you into believing that hey, you're done and quit right now. And this is all going to be safe because one reason for that is like we love to live in a safe and a consistent environment. And every time that hypothesis is challenged, our mind um, kind of like curls up and tells, gives us all these visions and keeps telling us, oh, this is going to happen if you, know, you push even more. And that is why we slow down. But apart from that, was there anything else which was very strange in the Western world that you learned in Shaolin? There was, there were so many things, you know, just basically how they live their life was, was completely different in the temple, right? So they mm -hmm. were living a different life than the city. You know what I mean? Like they had their own world going on and everything revolved around training. You know, they ate, slept and, and lived and breathed training. So one of the things that we had to do, you know, was punch and kick trees. And at the mm -hmm. academy, you go to these trees and there's dent holes in the trees from fingers, you know, quarter inch thick into the tree, right? Conditioning the finger so that they can break stone with it. It's, it's just a ridiculous practice to be doing. And also though, the other element that they had is martial arts is mind, body, spirit. So every morning they would do an hour of, um, you know, qigong or some of them would do Tai Chi. And so they really integrated this uh, spiritual aspect. And many people have the idea of this, you know, in, in, in 
um, the Western cultures, they call it the Tao or the energy field. And that's mm-hmm. really what they're tapping, pa- tapping into. They're harnessing that with their intention and their body and aligning with that to be able to direct their energy, to become, you know, really present, you know, to master their body, to put all of their attention on maybe their fingertips, maybe their arm. And that's what they do when they break something over their head. You know, they'll put all the energy, all their chi to the top of their head. And then all of a sudden they'll smash a brick over it. Oh my goodness. Right. So it takes extraordinary levels of consciousness of will Mm -hmm. and of trust and faith. You know what I mean? You have faith in your body. You have faith in the energy field. You have faith in the creator say, Hey, okay, now you can break this brick over my head. And um, you know, it's just like you're demanding of your body to reach its capabilities. You know, you're demanding to work with these fields that are around you that you are a part of to, you know, get the most out of what you do. And so it's a really extraordinary thing when you see it in real life. And then also the discipline of the training, because kind of like what you said before, we're in a culture where things get easy. We get sedated and we get docile, right? We, we do our job and, you know, we get the quick food, we, we mm-hmm. want to sit in the couch and it's comfortable and it's easy. And as humans, we want to do that. And there is a time for that. And so often we have to push ourselves to really find out what we're capable of. And that's what this training and this environment does is it, it gives you the opportunity to continue to test yourself and you have to do it over long periods of time. You know, it's just like the weight loss journey. If you're really out of, uh, out of shape and uh, you know, you have a terrible diet and terrible work ethic and you don't work out, it's going to take you a few months. But what you ultimately want to do is you want to change your way of being so that health is a priority. It's not like you 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 lose a bunch of weight and you go back. It's like, no, I'm going to mm-hmm. change my way of being. I'm going to change my practices, my values, uh, how I show up in the world. So that way, you know, the new way of being is integrated. It's not some sort of vacation. It's who I am. And this is why you see um, top TV shows like The America's Biggest Loser and people who go out there, lose a bunch of weight. And um, basically they're struggling their way through the weight. They lose a bunch of weight, they get a bit famous. And then a year later, it all comes back to them because they fail to integrate the basic concepts of um, how to live life in such a way. They just think about it as a challenge and they'll just struggle for a while. But as you said, it's not a struggle. It's something that needs continuous effort. It's a lifestyle, it's a discipline. It's something that you have to integrate more into your life. Even when we talk about things like lottery winners, right? Like people who win lotteries, look at them on an average. If you look at them a year later, they're back to the same, uh, probably a little bit better, but mostly to the same uh, criteria because they just don't know what to do with that money. They don't have that discipline. They just made bad choices and then they get back to the same. Now, have you seen Harry Potter as a kid? I've seen some of them. I think there's like 20 of them. So I've seen a few. (laughs) Do you believe in magic? It depends on how you define magic, but probably. (laughs) Something. Okay. Let's talk about miracles, supernatural, uh, things beyond, things beyond explanation, things like that. Yeah. I'll I'll keep everything into the magic category. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So let's imagine or let's, let's put up our imagination hat and think we can go into the world of Harry Potter, you know, when, or like any other magical movies that you might have seen where you are a wizard and you have the power to like change things in the environment, change, you know, change clothes, change people. And if you had to change the people that are walking around, well, basically humanity, what would be that one thing that you would change in people? That's a really great question. I think that if I could offer them anything, it would be, you know, peace within themselves, like self-love and and peace. Because if they had that, if they had fulfillment, if they had peace, if they had self-love, they wouldn't harm each other and they would want to spread that feeling to other people. And so one of the greatest spiritual teachings I've ever come across after reading, you know, hundreds of books and studying this pretty much my entire life. Um, was from my friend and one of my Native American teachers, David Lombear Senapas, who said, do three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do it and don't tell anyone. And it's such a simple and practical tool. And what he would say, and, and I've heard this from other teachers saying, often we're so heavenly minded, but no earthly good. You know, so there's opportunities to help. There's opportunities to, um, you know, quote unquote, be spiritual in action. And so, you know, 
when we are in peace and we are in harmony and we're full of self-love and we have a solid connection with ourselves and the creator, we're looking to pass that energy forward. And I feel like it's because so, so many people are so disconnected from themselves. Um, they don't have strong self-worth and self-love and they don't have a strong connection with uh, something greater where they're going around and because they're a little bit disconnected, they're more manipulated and they're not as present and aware. And so they're not looking to pass that energy forward because you know, even if you study, you know, people who harm people like criminals and things like that, mm -hmm. it's always because they aren't integrated. Something happened to them. They haven't been able to heal themselves. So they pass that on. You don't see people who are full of self-love and self-worth go harm other people. If anything, they dedicate themselves to um, providing platforms, information, avenues, support, or whatever they can to empower other people. And so if that were one thing, I think that that's what I'd choose. Well, that is so so interesting and so cool that you pointed out that because again when you're saying all these things it reminds me of the whole service aspect of things right like you you just said like say do three things and don't tell anyone about it and that also gives you a deep sense of like gratitude and pleasure like i've heard things before on the lines of plant trees where you don't i mean plant trees if i remember it right in whose shade you don't uh, you, you're not meant to sit so basically you just go out there and plant trees and then don't plant it because you're one day that tree will mature and you'll be able to sit under this shade do it for others do it for and we've seen with neuroscience that being of service offering something to people or like helping someone out actually that changes your brain chemistry and you're talking about these different neurochemicals like you're talking about endorphins, serotonin, dopamine, all of these things have been shown to increase. And these are the kind of things that take you out of like depression or anxiety. Because when you look at the real world scenario, then most of the people that are walking out, out there are like either confused, they have anxiety and their mind keeps jumping from one place to the other. Like you mentioned, it's, it's very easy to manipulate them because they don't have a strong sense of either you can call them values or you can call them like a perception about something. So it's, thank you for sharing that. And for anyone who's listening, I feel that what Matt just said is gold because just imagine it like, a, like you can gamify this experience for yourself. Like try to do like maybe three, maybe two, maybe one thing and try not to tell someone because your natural reaction when you do something good is to kind of get appraisal, right? You some people get um, get recognized for their work and they feel great, but try doing this. And Matt, I'm going to try doing this as well. And I will keep you posted on how I feel. So is it for a certain number of days or do you do this for, for your entire life or can you do with one? Well, you, you brought up a really great point there. So when, when David was telling me about this, he's a very interesting person. Um, he was trained by apparently, this is his story, uh, 600 elders for the first 26 or 27 years of his life on the side of a mountain, um, which is, is very unique. And mm -hmm. they taught him math, science, physics, uh, history, all kinds of stuff. And so he's an electrical engineer. He's also a scientist. And what he told me about this is he said, We're, there's only one energy on your planet and it's electricity. And so when you're going around and you actually do the act of kindness, right? You know, that feeling you get that good feeling, right? When mm -hmm. you do something kind, you get a feeling, right? It's a charge, mm -hmm. right? So we get a charge through the body. And so let's say we do that act, we get a charge. Well, then we go tell people about it, right? Then that's about the ego. It's about Matt, the identity. I want to go tell this to my friend. So my friend then feeds back. I'm a good person, right? Rather mm -hmm. than me just knowing I'm a good person right? I need someone else, right? So then I need something. Does that make sense? So when I, mm -hmm. when I do that, basically that charge, that electrical charge that the body received, I give that away. So now it, it nullifies what I gave. And so if we are electric, electromagnetic beings, right? Mm -hmm. Molecules, and we're essentially, that's the energy running through us. We're going to be integrating that electrical charge so that, you know, I don't know exactly know how it all worked, but it just makes sense to me that it would expand your awareness. It would expand your capabilities. It would expand your connection to the universe in a whole, if it is electromagnetic and training with the Shaolin monks, I did witness some of that. And I heard some stories about the monks being able to master this energy and actually shooting um, energy to their students. So the story that I heard was um, 
one of the masters, they were doing what they do is they basically make you among many other crazy things they make you do, mm-hmm. but they'll make you do something to complete exhaustion, right? Just run a cotter or whatever for an absurd amount of time. So your body cannot function. You are done, right? If you think, you know, and then they'll train, you know, basically six or eight hours a day. So you can do 10, a hundred pushups. Well, they'll make you do a thousand. And then after that, mm-hmm. the next day, when you can't even do one, you're still doing another 500 or a thousand. And apparently one of the masters came by as somebody was just toast. And he kind of, he did a little shake with his shoulder. And uh, all of a sudden the student apparently got this second wind of energy. And my friend wow. is the one who saw it. And he gave, he, he looked at the monk and uh, you know, he gave him my contact and kind of looked down at the floor because he, he saw that he had saw what had happened. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, so what happened? He's like, he's like, I don't know, man. He's like, it just looked like he shot him a bunch of energy. And all of a sudden he got like a second wind. And so when we're talking about these three kind acts, it's very similar. And so the, the suggestion that I like to give to people is to do three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do it and don't tell anyone, right? And do that for a week. And the reason why I say for a week is because what usually happens, what can often happen is you get what I refer to as a universal wink. And this is similar to what you said about magic. Well, there's one form of magic where it's deception, one form of magic where it's healing, like, um, how do I say it? So like to me, breaking breaking stone with two fingers or bigger pieces over your head, that's kind of like magic, but that took mm-hmm. years of effort to create that skill, right? To do something superhuman or extraordinary. But sometimes it's things like outside of us, like a spontaneous healing, things like that, right? It's to a greater force and we align with that force and all of a sudden a miracle happens. And so a universal wink is something really weird, like a synchronicity that will happen that's just for you that only you'll know, and it'll be so weird that you know it's the universe talking to you. You know what I mean? You know it's like, okay, this is this cannot be random. This is so wild. And often to my listeners, they'll they'll happen, uh, that'll happen. And if we think about changing the world, you know, you do three kind acts a day for a week, it changes your way of being. So you continue to do that, right? You you you, you we integrate kindness, we integrate mm-hmm. how we want to be in the world. We are the change. And so, yeah. you know, when I learned this, we went to the Parliament of World Religions and, you know, we had all these spiritual teachers, like 200 different faiths. And, you know, David was the only one on the street talking to the homeless people. And when he talked in the Parliament of World Religions, he said, we have these spiritual teachers from all over the world, yet we have homeless right where we are and no one, we're, no one's doing anything about it. If people need help, it's these people right here. And it's just this grounded wisdom you know, that we, we, we're so heavenly minded, we're going to meditate, we're going to do this, we're going to create this amazing school. But when we walk down the street, that person's not good enough. And when he first told me this, the only kind of kind act I could consider was paying it forward. But then he goes, you know what, Um, getting someone's name is an act of kindness. And now with the whole mask thing, it just makes so much more sense and how critical that is. When you go through the checkout, when you have a server, you just say, hey, what is your name? I, I see you. We're both here. You know, that's an act mm-hmm. of kindness. Um, you know, paying, calling a friend or someone you, you care about, just, just listening to them, um, you know, letting them know you appreciate them, things like that. And that's what you're doing. That's your way of being. And that's, that has a, you know, what he would refer to as spiritual weight, right? You're taking an action to improve or support someone you know you're actually putting your heart and your energy into action so you could think about it all day you could think for years all these things that you would like to do but so often we go through days weeks months and years and we don't apply that knowledge and so it's a very simple thing that we could do and look for those opportunities so then over time it just becomes our way of being that is correct i think whatever you just said was it it resonates with me a lot because I have had those universal winks. And when it first started happening, it was more like, I got lucky again. And then I'm just like, oh, this is, this is luck. This is this. And then over a period of time, like you mentioned, it's, you just can't help but deny the fact that this has happened just for you in this very moment. And there could be like a million or trillion different possibilities. But in that very moment, you probably thought about it or you wanted something to work out in your favor or like things to turn. And sometimes these things are like next to impossible, but they do happen. And what I have also learned is that being of service or having this 
So some people can be selfish, right? And some people can be selfless. So this selflessness of, you know, just doing things, not just not looking at things and thinking that, hey, what can I get out of this in probably not now, but in a month, in a year, in a week, whatever. But the moment you do something and then you just don't expect anything out of it, you completely detach from it, that kind of brings you more closer to your own self. Like you said, connecting with the universe, uh, having this energy field, this vibration that goes on through you. And people who are listening, we're not talking about electrical fields. We know that the body is biochemically sensitive and the Earth's electromagnetic field and the solar cycles and the lunar cycles, everything that happens in and around this planet directly affects our state of being. If you don't believe me, check out what happens on a full moon day. On a full moon day, you'll see all the mental hospitals have like extra stuff because people start going crazy. There are more murders on the street and the police is most busy on a full moon day. That is the power of how these invisible forces of energy react with us, our environment. And surprisingly, we're talking about energy and things like that. I was in Ukraine and um, I've done a similar protocol to this before, but I went to this sort of a spiritual facility and I did like a analysis of my aura and my energy. And I was, before the podcast, I was actually reading through it so people can see this on video. Um, it, you can like literally measure specific energy fields from your body and it tells you like, a, gives you a representation of which chakra is activated, which chakra is not activated, what kind of mind body um, balance you have. And it's basically a 25 page report in Russian. So I need to find some time to translate it. But yeah, these things are there. These things are available. And um, sometimes it's more than what you're just thinking. You know, it's just the way you feel, the way things around you are. And talking about energy and things like this, there are so many things, right? When it comes to human performance, human optimization, when it comes to sports, when it comes to health. But what I find people do normally is only look into the realms of nutrition or training. That's, those are the big ones, right? Sleep has got a lot of attention recently. So everyone's like, oh, I want to, but still not all over the world, only in some parts that like, people are focusing on their sleep. But there's so many other factors and I call it the invisible factors because these are things like air, water, vibration, electromagnetic frequencies, sound, and these things also play a very important role in the human biology and performance. Now, in your personal life, and I've heard a lot of people talk about EMFs, and we've spoken about this on the show before, about EMF, about air quality, about water quality, but there is one hidden variable or one variable that comes towards the end of this spectrum or this list that people normally don't talk about, which is sound. So I'm very curious to know, because you've been in these monasteries, you've been in Nepal, and one of the most impressive things that you can just experience, because you can't talk enough about it, or you can't like write about these things, you can just experience it, is the vibration that you feel when you're in a place which has a certain um, spectrum of sound. So I wanted to get your take on like, what do you think about sound, sound healing, sound energy? Do you use it in your personal protocol? Do you um, share it with your clients? Like what's going on with sound? Because we don't hear about it much. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great topic because sound is incredibly powerful. Um, they're, they're making a lot of progress in binaural beats and understanding mm -hmm. all of these different avenues that haven't really been explored, but they have been explored in ancient times because everything is vibrational in nature. And so to give you an example of that, when I went to Egypt, there's a place called Saqqara, and mm -hmm. this was apparently the hospital in Egypt. And so there's this wall that you go to, and it's a wall, and it has these squares that have an indent, right? So you can go into the square, and then then it's just wall again. So it's kind of like into it. And, and the guide said, go to this wall and stick your head in it. You're going to feel something, right? He's like, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to meditate. You don't have to do just everyone will feel it. Go stick your head in the wall. So we're like, all right. So we walk up, you stick your head into this wall. It's just kind of like a frame of a picture, right? But you can go mm -hmm. in. And so you go into it and you can feel a vibration. It's mm -hmm. like, what is happening 
to feel that vibration. It's such an odd thing. And so when you go to Nepal, a lot of the time they have gongs, right? And it's like this wave, right? And, and what it really does, it does many things. Uh, but one of the main ones is it just gives you something to focus on, to bring your, your attention to full awareness. And so one thing your listeners could do right now is just think about throughout your day, right? When you go to sleep, think about a time in the day where you came to total and complete full awareness to the present moment. You know, was mm-hmm. it, was it one minute of the day? Was it an hour of the day? Probably for most people, it's going to be zero seconds. Yeah. yeah, yeah right? seconds or nothing. Exactly. And so we're not training that. So sound is really helpful to create that vibration because we know we have harmony with it. It, it helps with the body and the electromagnetic field and all these things that I can't explain to you in science, although that I've read them and I've seen them and in, um, mm-hmm. in interesting documentaries. And one fantastic resource people could use is sonic geometry, which is very fa- um, interesting documentary series about sound and vibration. And there are many other ones out there as well. So how do you use it? You can use crystal singing bowls. You can use, actually, here, I'll play these. This is actually from Sonic Geometry. So my friend Eric Rankin, he he, uh, created these chimes on perfect sound and harmony. And the first time I heard these things, I was like, holy smokes, like, what is that? And so um, what he did was he took the... um, geometry and math put it together and then linked it up with sound so for example i can play this and and uh and just have a listen and so that is powerful yeah, they're really powerful. And the first time I heard them in, in real life, and when I play these over people, they can't tell if the sound is coming from within them or it's outside of them. All of a sudden, it distorts where you're hearing the sound because that is it's perfect mathematical frequency, right? Mm-hmm. And so what that does is it forces people into the present moment using sound as a tool, right? And so incredibly powerful stuff. And so the idea is, you know, some... Uh, there's a lot of it's out there now you know what i mean if you start googling sound therapy things like that um you start Mm -hmm. to look into it really it's all of these different practices to bring you in the present moment and then what i like to do is i use that in in conjunction with visualization so what is it that you want to create in the world and so you know in sport training olympic athletes and pro athletes and things like that the power of visualization and what we have to do to be a high performer is critical we need to Mm -hmm. apply that but people aren't taught how to apply this in their life And so if you can get a clear goal, a heart-centered goal of how you want to live your life, you go through your priorities and values, what's most important to you? And you go friends, family, relationships, travel, you know, education, things like that. You have to prioritize that list because if your job and how you make income makes everything more important to you, you know, right at the bottom of the list, then, then that's when you start with the prayer universe, show Mm -hmm. me a way to make enough money to do these things or show me a way to integrate this more. And you might have to then sacrifice. You might have to sacrifice this corporate job. That's not fulfilling you in every way, but maybe the job makes a bit less, but then all of a sudden, all the things you actually value start to go to the top. So you live more fulfilled. And so, you know, I'm kind of going off on a tangent there, but you know, I feel like with, with, with sound and with coming to awareness and harmony, you need to know who you are, what's most important mm-hmm. to you. And when you do that, you start to live in alignment and faith with the creator, God, spirit, the universe, because you're interacting through prayer. And the only way you can know if that, that thing exists, well, there's probably other ways too, but one of the main ways is you need to start making these leaps of saying, you know, you need to help guide me. And uh, before when we were talking about the universal winks, you could think of, the universe is either always communicating with you or it's mm-hmm. never communicating with you. Right. And mm-hmm. it doesn't go, you know, someone's like, Oh, well this, this thing means that. And, and uh, you know, you go into this crazy spiel about why you saw a bird and, and it's this crazy thing. You're just, you're just bringing yeah. awareness. Your bridge, the universe will, will communicate you within subtle ways. But the idea is that you're integrating, you know, okay, cool. Like you're going to, when you see the signs, when you see, the post, it's going to be obvious how people talk to you and, you know, the universe will lead you. And so it's just how we experience life. And so 
with sound technology, it's one way to practice coming to full awareness with a tool that assists us to get into that harmonic vibration. And so, right, if you don't meditate, if you're not doing all those things, throw in some sound bowl. So on the Tibetan bowl, do, do a chant, right? There's a reason why they do the chants is because it creates a vibration, just the ohm chant alone, right? It's because you're using vibration to come into full awareness and then the body comes into harmony. You know, when you feel stress, when you wake up mm -hmm. and you're anxious and you're running around, you feel stress. So you're just, you're just doing the opposite. You're doing something that will assist you for the body coming into total peace. So when you go to ohm, the vibration forces the body into total peace. It's like, oh, we're, we're safe now. We're, we don't have to worry about the outside world because you know, being doing ohms in, in traffic and in when you need awareness, probably not ideal. You might get smoked by a car, not the place mm. for it. So you go to a safe place to experience that state. And we need to train that state. So that way, when we like, for example, in, in martial arts, it's a high stress state with high st stakes, but you need to be in a calm state, a focused state, a pure aware state. If you get afraid, um, if you get anxious, if you get all these things, which you should be because the guy's trying to take your head off, um, you're going to get smoked. And so that's the training. That's the martial way is navigating this chaotic world with inner peace so that you have full capabilities of how to interact with the environment. That makes so much sense. And I love that you mentioned the thing about OM because OM, as we know it, is one of the oldest sounds in this universe, some people would even argue that it is a sound, it's the same vibration frequency as the universe itself. And what I personally do is just so you and the listeners can have a better idea. One of the things that I do first thing when I wake up is I would chant Om because I believe that when you're sleeping, a lot of your, so our body is made out of these different vortexes or energy centers, which can be argued, arguably be called chakra, or you can give it some other name, but these are basically these energy spaces where energy flows through. And when you're sleeping, most of your, uh, especially in a modern world, uh, most of your energy centers that is activated as soon as you wake up is your lower energy centers, which are the same energy centers used for survival and, you know, just, just living and basically surviving. And those are the stressful energy centers. So every time you wake up in the morning, if you're not completely Zen and, you know, chances are you will think about the next meeting, the next deadline, the, the how, how much traffic is going to be in the street, because all of these come from very survival emotions. And what you can do to counteract that, well, what I personally do is I have different kind of like exercises borrowed from all the way from Qigong to Tai Chi to yoga to different martial arts. Like I learned a different martial arts along with Kung Fu as well. So I integrate all of that. But one of the things that I do is to chant OM. Because as soon as you chant it early in the morning, you will feel a vibration frequency that starts from your lower chakra and it extends all the way up to your head or your crown chakra. So that is a good um, that is a good tip for anyone. And you don't have to be religious on this one. Like I would have some Muslims or Christians tell me, oh, no, but I'm not a Hindu. And I don't have to say, I mean, I would never resonate with that. But it's not about religion. It's not about those dogmatic things. It's just about the vibration and the frequency and you know like you mentioned binaural beats again a great thing for those of you who are not listening this is just modern technology has created this beats where you play one like let's say 10 hertz in one year a sound frequency which is very nice these days 10 hertz in one year and then you play six hertz in the other year and what your mind does is subtracts those numbers and then you're left with four hertz four hertz is could be very close to a theta brainwave frequency. So your brain automatically readjusts itself into a theta brainwave frequency, which is associated with dreaming, with, um, you know, like even dreaming, lucid dreaming, things like that. Um, other ways I have integrated sound in my practice is I always have a water fountain next to me, which is, it's a mechanical thing, but it just um, it reminds me of nature all the time. So if I'm writing an article or if I'm doing some deep work, I'll have, um, this water fountain playing in the background with some essential oil diffusers just to calm down, like you said, that nervous system, that sympathetic nervous system, which is always in the fight or flight mode. And um, just bring yourself back to harmony, thinking that, okay, you know, things might be chaotic, but you need to learn how to like regulate your own nervous system first. 
because if you don't do that, you get smoked by <laughs> in, in traffic. It's the same thing because someone cuts you in traffic and you're like, oh my God, this guy. But at the same time, if you if you had a control over your nervous system, you would just be like, ah, one of these days, let's go. So I really like that you spoke about it. And you are an athlete yourself, right? You've trained so many people. You're in great shape. We can see it in all of your videos and things like that. And you created a program called Zen Athlete. Am I correct? Is that a book based on a program or is a program based on a book? How, how, is that, uh, how does that work? Yeah. So, you know, my original um, process for all of this was sports and martial arts. And when I went to Whistler, mm -hmm. I became a professional snowboard coach. And it was weird that people didn't know the basics of what I had learned through martial arts. I was also mm -hmm. studying peak performance, um, you know, sports psychology, anything to increase performance through mindset or any other tool, nutrition, fitness, and things like that. And most of the world, they just focus on fitness, right? And now nutrition, but not the mental game. But this, this is obvious in martial arts, it's already integrated. So I thought it was weird that they didn't know this stuff. And so in my, you know, late twenties, I wrote Zen athlete, like I was already coaching people in the mental game. And I created a uh, a product for snowboarders and then for all extreme sports athletes. And then I created the Zen athlete program, which was a basically what I would train my Olympic athletes and high level athletes through. Um, and so, you know, that program was out there because what I hoped and what I prayed for was to make mental training mainstream for sport, just like now kids have a nice gym because we understand that, you know, having a healthy body and a strong body will improve performance. Well, the same way with mental training. So why aren't we teaching these basics to kids? Um, you know, your internal dialogue, how to quiet your mind, how to visualize, um, how to do self-hypnosis, which is incredibly easy and simple and not mystical in any way, uh, basic mm -hmm. meditation basic intention, things like this, that all pro athletes now use. And so I wanted to make that mainstream. So I had that product out there for a long time and it still exists. And through the evolution of my work, what I've basically done is I've taken that process and applied it to creating uh, the life of your dreams. So I say it's like you're kind of creating reality by default, meaning that, you know, you're born and you swim with a school of fish, right? And you do whatever's kind of normal in your environment. So whatever's normal for me in the town that I grew up in and, and, the, and the economic background and things like that, maybe it's being an insurance or you have a different, a few avenues, right? That's what you're given depending on where you're born in the world, right? And so what I learned through martial arts and, and through, you know, teaching these athletes is that they want to create reality in a moment. They want in, right. They, they have a meet, they have to, if I want to do a backflip over a 70 foot jump or one of my athletes, uh, Brody Carmichael, he's a freestyle motocross rider. And uh, he reached out because he fell on a front flip on his motorcycle. And he said, Hey man, um, I heard you're good at what you do. I want to land this, this front flip. And I want to do these front flip variations that have never been done before. So when we chatted, um, we did a, a training call and his mindset was very strong. If you're an extreme sports motocross guy, you have a strong mindset. Um, mm -hmm. But I just kind of upgraded a couple things, you know, tweaked them and said, hey, you can my read my book. It'll help you. Um, but you don't have to, and you could go through this training course and it could be Zen athlete. It could be Zen music. It could be Zen entrepreneur, especially as an entrepreneur. If you applied what that is in that book to entrepreneurship, you would crush it because here's the difference in extreme sports. If you frig it up, you might go to the hospital. You could die. You could bro break both your legs. So you have to apply this stuff. And, mm -hmm. and then you go to basketball, right? Well, if you miss that shot, you're not going to break both your legs at the same time. So the um, willingness or the necessity to apply this, to apply everything at your disposal, um, you might not do it. Same thing with uh, the Shaolin monks. They have to apply this because when I interviewed Master Go, who could break the stone with two fingers and over his head, I said, why don't you do this all the time? He said, because I could break my fingers. He, was, he was understood the reality oh. of what he was doing. So he, he, he directs that. So he has to use every ounce of who he is to, to manifest this reality, right? And so in uh, basketball, it's not as intense. And so in, in business, there's like no immediate terrible consequence. So we don't use this thing, but it's incredibly powerful. And so what I told Brody to do, I said, hey, um, just visualize this trick an hour a day, every single day until you know you can land it. You'll know when that is. And so three weeks later, he lands the front flip on his motorcycle. Three weeks after that, he lands the world's first front flip heel clicker on a motorcycle. 
three weeks after that without even training because he was going around uh, in schools and, uh, you know, doing motivational talks for kids. He lands the world's first front flip Superman on a motorcycle using just wow. visualization to create um, his reality. And so that's incredible. And you can look at the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. You referred to Dr. Bruce Lipton and people having these miracles through curing terminal illness through their mind alone, through harmonizing with the spirit. The, I don't think the human does it. I think it just, it, it puts the request out to the universe, this, this, this Tao, this energy field and says, look, I want to harmonize with with this, please support this. This is the intent in your cells and your molecules and your central nervous system and all kinds of wild science that I don't think anybody can explain, although they're trying, mm -hmm. will do something to, to create a miracle. And this has happened time and time again. So those are things where you are trying to create something specific. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this in extreme sports because I don't want to hurt myself, right? And I want to, I want to manifest this reality. And then the other one is a catalyst. Oh, I'm going to die because I've waited too long. And now I'm going to die because I've been out of harmony for so long. I need to heal myself. So now you're using that. But what about daily life to architect a life or a legacy for yourself, right? What could be more mm -hmm. important? I remember doing law of attraction, all these different things. It's like, well, why do you want these things? We're not taught that. We're not taught to know who we are. People are so disconnected from who they are. What would you do if money didn't matter? Now, what would you uh, master if you could master anything? What problems in the world would you fix if you could fix anything? Who do you truly want to be? Um, you know, what's your bucket list? Um, you know, what would you do if you got a million dollars a day every single day for the rest of your life? What kind of people do you want to be around? You know, and you have a whole life to, to architect this and getting clear on your values, uh, who you are, what you want to learn, how you want to contribute, how you want to navigate in this world. And we have it in reverse. We're stuck in safety, right? So the mind, um, you know, and when I've done, I've done this training for so long, you know, trying to help people architect the reality. And the problem is the mind's number one goal is to keep you safe. Right. So I say, mm -hmm. Hey, you know, CJ, what's your life purpose? And you're like, Oh, well, uh, and you start to think about it. The mind is going to distort that answer because if you can't figure out a way to get money, money gives you the coupons to go get food. So if mm -hmm. you don't have the coupons to go get food, the, the mind is going to distort it. So it doesn't, so you don't kill yourself. Right. But the heart, is eternal. It knows that you're an infinite eternal soul with, you know, life beyond this. So it knows the answer. And so it's not going to distort it. So when you go through these processes that I teach now, whether it's the quantum heart hypnosis, the soul compass mixed with the Zen athlete, because a Zen athlete is exactly the uh, protocol for creating reality. And, you know, when we talk about flow state or, you know, when Brody Carmichael goes to do that trick or you go into combat for the UFC championship or the Olympic gold medal, it's all coming to this center point, right? Of awareness and performance, but it is everything you did before that, right? Flow state isn't one thing, it's a preparation. Did you have months or years of good diet, um, strong mindfulness, uh, quality training, quality simulation training, harmony in your environment and field? And another one people don't consider with performance, um, are you whole, complete, harmonious and full of self-love, even if you lose? Because one mm -hmm. of the main um, uh, problems with performance or performance inhibitors is stress. So if I'm going to make this game-winning basketball shot for a free throw to win the NBA championship, if my self-worth is on the line, if I miss this and then my wife leaves me and everybody who, who thinks they're a friend and all that stuff, right? All this nonsense, right? But if you actually in your body go, I'm okay and I love myself if I make it or don't, you're going to be more likely to make it because you're going to intend to make it you and your self-worth isn't in the, on the on the other on the line you're 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 complete as you are you don't need to achieve something in the world to be whole you're giving that to the creator god spirit the universe and so we move towards consciously architecting our life and that's why these things are more challenging because it's over a time frame it's not one jump it's not one olympic performance it's not one specific moment in time it's architecting your life through time in a state where you're fulfilled and content, but you're, you're navigating this balance of life of work and effort, and also clearly looking at what are your values. So when you keep sacrificing your top values for money or for all these different things, what's happening is your soul is being eroded. And we have to flip that, you know, we, because you can make money, you can absolutely make abundance through your service to other people, but you need to know what your values are to see if you're being honest with yourself. And then you use these, this toolkit 
to go ahead and manifest it. And now you're working with the universe because there's no set path to creating and architecting your life. Every single person has a unique journey. And you can just know if you're honestly moving in that direction or you're just going with the school of fish because it's the easier thing to do. It keeps you uh, quote unquote secure, which there safe. is no security, uh, quote yeah. unquote safe, but there is no safety. And so it's a, and it's an extraordinary thing to do. Not everyone's able to do it, but it is available to everyone. And I feel like it's a, it's a very powerful way of being. And in interviewing a lot of people, those are the ones truly fulfilled. They have to make that commitment and uh, know that they'll be supported. Mm -hmm. having that trust in the universe and in god or in in the energy field it it also adds a lot because the more faith you have in things in things which are probably beyond because you you i've seen ufc fighters all the time like you can prepare to see how a person fights if they're right-handed or left-handed what kind of like take sounds do they use all the time you can keep preparing for things but there are some things that on the day would change because everyone's preparing, right? They're using different strategies. Everyone's doing different things, but you will be faced with a point where you have to step into the unknown to get to the point where you really have to be. Because again, if you're, if you're safe, if I'm just like in my house and I'm okay. And I'm like, you know what? I'm safe right now because of anything that I would have done in the past or any, any steps that I've, used to come here but if you really wanted to go to the other level like your athlete you wanted to do that flip like you really have to put in work and sometimes it's not like you have to you know like i mentioned this all the time like run at the treadmill or i mean those things are important but the point that you brought up visualization is something that everyone's missing these days because people want to struggle, um, diet, struggle, give up on things and, you know, do a lot of like self-harm in order to get somewhere, but they would not take some time to just close their eyes, sit down and either meditate or visualize, uh, their perfect future. Because we, again, we know from the studies that have been done in Harvard and like you mentioned, Dr. Joseph Spenza and all of his work that, Sometimes when you take two groups of people, like Harvard does this study where you take two groups of people and then one group of people, you ask them to play the piano and train how to play in the piano. And then the second group of people, you take them and you just ask them to imagine how to uh, play a piano. And over a period of time, every system in their body, both of those test subjects acts equally, the people who visualize it and the people who have actually trained with like some professional person doing the piano. So it also shows us that taking some time to relax, taking some time to get in touch with your real self, in touch with your vibration in terms of, you know, your intuition or frequency can have a great effect on you. But most of these things aren't being taught to us, right? You don't get to learn. I mean, these days, maybe there are some schools that um, start the day with meditation and things like that, but normally you don't hear about this it's only you only hear about the struggle and advertising and marketing campaigns also teach us like oh you've got to struggle for this you have to wake up at like 5 a.m which might be true for some people because if your sport demands it you've got to do it there's no way around it but overall when we look at like the entire like a larger set of the population you don't have to go through all those struggles to get to where you have to be because as long as you accept that you know, the universe or even your, you're so, um, you're so empowered that these things can be easy for you. Those things will shape your reality and those things will be easy for you. So I'm so happy that, you know, we started from the fitness point and we went to the spiritual point and it just all integrates because there is not one lens looking at this. If you just go out and say that, Hey, I'm just going to look at life through just one lens you're going to fall <laughs> Life, There are so many different lenses and, you know, you have to look at diet, nutrition, uh, spiritual well-being, meditation, silence, gratitude, kindness, forgiveness. There are just so many things that combine and um, can help you get to your potential. Now we've, we're almost at the end of this interview and I just, there's just so many things on my head. So I think Matt, we will have to do some time in the future when, both of us have that time, some other interview on where we explore about more things. I wanted to talk to you about your trekking on the Everest and there just so many things, time with Burning Man. Uh, 
so many things, right? But we will have it for some other time. But for today, you've interviewed so many people. You've got to learn a lot. You've read so many books. If you had to go back in time, and if you had to give your younger self, you can you can give yourself like one, two, three pieces of advice. What would that be? I mean, apart from the fact that, you know, be kind and do these kind deeds. <laughs> so we've established that already. Is there anything else that you would love to tell yourself? Yeah, well, well, I, I agree with everything that you just shared there. I think that was really smart. And I feel like I just want to add on on the struggle piece. Um, you know, it, the, what you're saying about perspective is so key, you know, because I think that there is a struggle, but it's like, um, how do we perceive that struggle? Are we struggling toward what we desire? Or is it like a random struggle, right? Like when I train in martial arts or do uh, fitness or sports, it's a struggle a lot of time, you know, it's like, Oh, mm. man, I do cardio sucks. <laughs> you know, it's uh, these other things, they suck. So but but why am I doing it? Right? You know, it's, it, all, the whole thing in the Shaolin Academy was torture. <laughs> the whole thing is struggle, get it, mm. but it makes you strong, right? Resistance makes you strong. So it's how you perceive that. Right. It's like, oh, and, and, and what is the goal? Like, oh, I'm struggling because I want to be a better person. Right. And so the problem is when we're not engaged in what that is. Um, like it's just random, but there's no meaning to it, it, it. You know, then it's, it's not ideal. So we can always like frame, frame it in a way where it's more empowering and that, and then, you know, I feel like it goes down to that root question of like, uh, who are you? What did you come here to do? Is the, you know, do you have a strong, cause faith is a choice, right? Do you have a connection with the creator? And that's ultimately it. So if I, if you can give your um, will to the creator, almost as like God, spirit, the creator universe, please guide me, show me a way to, um, you know, live up to my potential and be of service. Show me a way to live in joy and contentment and harmony with all the things, right? Because we only know a tiny little bit of a tiny little bit. Right. But mm -hmm. what we know for sure is our intention stuff. We knew for sure, you know, last year than 10 years ago was totally different. So information and in our beliefs and life continues to evolve. We only know a tiny little bit, but we know for sure our intent. And so if we can be intentional and we can learn how to put a, a better perspective on things, um, we're going to live more empowered. So I just wanted to share that. And I love your, I love your question. And, and the thing that I would get, I would tell myself is, um, you know, to have more fun, you know, try not to make everything so serious, you have more fun, enjoy the process more, you know, and, you know, that's, that's been my struggle. The thing that I'm mm. really good at that most people are not is I always listen to my inner voice. Don't compromise mm. your inner voice, the universe will have your back, you know, listen to your gut, do those things, even though they're not certain, they're not pretty much everything I've done. Everyone's like, Oh, you shouldn't do that. You know? Oh, you can't go out here and travel. Oh, you can't snow. You can't. I just did the thing that I knew I wanted to do. And I was being led. I was being pulled by the universe. I had trust. So that's the thing I would recommend to other people that I was actually very good at. Um, and I think it's really helped me. But for me personally, I say have more fun. Try not to take it so seriously. And I know this and I'm not good at it. And I need to re remember that, but don't make it so serious. It's not about, you know, enjoy the process. You know what I mean? And so that's the number one thing I'd say is like, life can be fun, you know, enjoy the process. This is something that again, resonates with me so much because um, before me and Matt got onto a call after recording this podcast, I was just telling him about that I just came back from Ukraine and, um, you know, the things over there were pretty chilled out in terms of like, not a lot of people were wearing masks and things like that. And I realized one thing, and um, I've realized this in the past that I personally, in my opinion, I have that kind of a mentality where if I get focused on something, well, like hyper-focus, then everything along the way disappears for me. And I'm and it also happens with a lot of like top competitors. It happens with Navy SEALs and things like that. We're able to compartmentalize emotions in a way that if you're really passionate or interested about something, everything else just disappears and you might have some fun and you might go through a lot of struggle, but you will try to avoid everything else that gets into your way. And for the longest period of time, what I have struggled with myself is having that balance where I can... I can say, all right, you know, I've got to read these many books, I have to publish these articles, I have to talk to these people, and I've got to do something What I'm uh, just, just a lot of other things, you know, head to the gym, spend time with my family, blah, blah, blah. And what these things start, when you have a lot of these things on your list, what it starts to do is that everything becomes a task. And what happens is, it's like, 
you're just so focused on this, all right, task A completed, task B completed, task C completed, and you just want to get to the end of that list. But the you forget to enjoy every moment and you forget to have fun. Maybe, you know, like you mentioned, cardio is hard, but does it give, does it release endorphins? Hell yeah. Do you feel great when you sprinted better than last time? Yes, you did. So it's, I feel like this is a very important point, like living and enjoying things, even if they're hard, just enjoy them or just uh, have a balance between, you know, have your work life and then have your play life and focus on your play life because 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, you're going to turn back and you're going to be like, oh man, I was just a bit too serious at that time and I wish I could have had fun. So thank you for bringing up that. This is a conversation that I had with myself like yesterday while I was coming back to Dubai in the plane and I was just thinking like, this trip was fun. I think I should like, you know, invest some more, more time and energy in just having fun and doing the serious stuff at the same time. So I really, um, I really dig that, Matt. Thank you so much. The work you've done, the information that you've shared, Everything that you do is amazing and I'm really grateful and a lot of people in the world are grateful for you to do that. Now, if someone wanted to get in touch with you to check you out, find out more about you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show and, and for doing your part to uh, follow your own inspiration to do something that you feel like can be of value to others. So I sincerely commend that and I appreciate you for what you're doing and the kind words. And so if people want to know more about me, go to my website, mattbelair.com. Uh, censorship is really bonkers right now. So I really encourage people to um, you know, sign up for my email list and I'm on the socials, but I've been deleted a couple times already. So I recommend telegram it's t.me forward slash Matt Belair. I share a lot of information there. And, um, you know, for your listeners, I have, you know, this welcome pack with a guided meditation, a morning routine. Um, I have a lot of different tools for anything as far as mindset, knowing your life purpose, uh, meditation, anything that's out there. Like I demystified it because I went mm -hmm. and trained with all these people to figure it out. Right. So I can make it very like with the sound technology, you know, what is it? How does it work? How can you use it? Right. I always wanted to know the best stuff. And after interviewing all these different people from around the world, I can help you make it simple. And so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, but I highly recommend people um, check that out. And also within the Academy or my membership, which you can have by donation, a dollar, two bucks or for free. I don't give a crap. I'll help you. This Soul Compass course uh, basically walks you step by step to know what your life purpose is. That's not hard. I can talk to anybody in the world and figure out what their life purpose is. Not not because I'm a, some sort of psychic, because I just mm -hmm. ask you basic friggin questions that you don't ask yourself. After I ask you the questions, you tell me. We're just not mm -hmm. designed to do that. So you, you could, I can show you the process where you'll figure it out really easy. The hard part will be, will you engage in your quest? That's the hard part because nobody has a set path. It is stepping into the unknown. There is zero certainty, but guess what? You'll friggin' know for sure, at least that first uh, step, that direction. And I like to say your life purpose, your dharma, your, your legacy, who you came here to be. Most people don't know if they're going north, east, south, or west. They're just, their life is being created by default by their external environment. If you just know you're going north or <laughs> that's a huge win or east, then all of a sudden you start to refine that northeast, you know what I mean? And then you, you refine it on the dial as you take the first step, as you take the second step, as you take the third step. And what you're doing now with your work is a beautiful example of that. We need to earn money. We figure that out, but we start to take the action in the direction of our inspiration. And then the universe, God, and the creator can start to lead us to new opportunity, to new ways of being, to more fulfillment, more fulfilling conversations, more fulfilling friends, more fulfilling experiences, uh, more service to other people. And there's other currencies other than just making money and making a living. Living. It is a part of our reality, but we want to really be clear on our value sets. What are we compromising if our money is our highest ideal, right? And now if we can have the most amount of money with our fulfilling work, that's the pinnacle, but there's going to be a time for sacrifice. No one that I've seen achieve mega success and fulfillment at the same time had a clear path. They all had to sacrifice something. And I know multi, multi-millionaires and I know hippies. And I know every, everybody in between. I know professional athletes, everybody in between and fulfillment always comes from being honest with who you are 
what you want to give back. And I've seen, you know, fulfilled people with nothing and unfulfilled people with everything. And so what we want to do is the universe will provide for us what we need, but we have to engage in our quest. And so there's a lot of tools over there. And the quantum heart hypnosis is a really simple process that people can go through and listen to that and know. So um, yeah, so there's a lot of tools and resources. And there's also like 500 podcasts. And so if you want to listen to an expert, you know, for like an hour, give you tools that then you go walk the path, it's available to you. And so all it really is, is between you and yourself and your creator to say, this is my choice, please start guiding me. And then it says, well, who are you? You're unique. I'm you get to be you. Who are you? Right. And then, then we have to engage in that path. And that's where the challenge is, is, is pursuing that journey over years. Cause I'm here because of, uh, you know, a whole lifetime of pursuit, right. A whole mm-hmm. lifetime of, of putting who I was first. Right. And then also thinking about how can I give back? right? Who am I? How do I grow? How can I provide value for other people? And that's it. It's, it's these two things that can be very challenging and uh, murky to figure out, but it's a, it's a beautiful experience. And so when you die, you know, you're going to know if you've honored yourself, right? Cause that mirror, that, that judgment is going to be you, you know, did you sacrifice and compromise your soul or did you give it everything you, you have to live, to experience, to grow, to create, you had that right. And of course it wasn't supposed to be easy. This is a challenging space, but um, you've, you've got access to, you know, more power than you might, you might know. So um, just and especially all of your work that you have laid down for us. So we don't have to go through all of those findings and people don't have to get to Shaolin and, you know, punch the, punch the tree. So guys, <laughs> you can, if here's you want, way to, yeah, you can, if you want, but here's, here's what, and this is the approach that I like to take. And this is the approach that, you know, when we talk about biohacking and things like this, it is at the essence is that, it is, it is good to go the hard way. It is good to, you know, go to Shaolin and experience all these things yourself. But if you have responsibilities, if you have a kid and you've got to take care of this kid or you've got like parents that need your attention or you're the old person who's just earning money in the house and you can, you'd like to self-grow, but you aren't at this stage of your life, you aren't um, really capable of doing things like that. Whether it's money is a factor or time is a factor, what you can do is to like find play, uh, find people like Matt and then who have done this already and who have laid down this in the most simple and explainable way. So you can reach, you can cut down years of going through that. I wouldn't even call it hardship, but just out of that experience and get the key takeaways from that and start applying it to your life right now, because you, you, this is the same, like reading a book, right? Your ROI on reading a book is so much because that person on an average has spent maybe two to 3000 hours and, you know, maybe two years writing or three years writing a book and probably a lifetime writing a book because of their experiences, but you can skip through that in four hours or five hours, or in Matt's case, like, you know, his content, his material in a few hours. And basically you get all of that and then you proceed to the other one and then you proceed to the other one. So I like to cut that, um, cut that whole process of just you know going and meditating in a mountain i mean it's cool if you do that but if you're pressed for time this is your best bet and never in the creation of humanity were we so blessed that you know that's in canada i'm in dubai you guys might be listening from dubai india wherever there has never been a time where we were so technological advanced that we could share information like this and on a click of a button on your telephone on your ipad so make use of that because the people before us have given up their, you know, their hours, their sweat, their relationships, their love for us and this generation to see this time. And what you can do is to play your part, learn, grow, you know, become a better father, become a better husband, become a better scientist or have, you know, become a better inventor and make life better for the next generations to come. It is one of those things you just absorb and then you give away because what is life is just taking things from one place and returning it back because you never own things. It's there. The consciousness is there. Everything is there. You just have to pick one thing up and transfer it to the other one. Like the Chinese philosophers or the Taoists or anyone would like really say. So I'm happy we went through all of that, Matt. Thank you so much. Um, You have a great day ahead of you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. I appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.